Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, our last episode of the season, in fact, of Bad in Bed, the Queer Sex Podcast. Today, we're talking about a topic I think I'm most excited about because I know what I know and I know what I don't. And this one is sexual astrology. And I absolutely love astrology and I want to know how it relates to sex. I'm so excited for you that we're doing this episode because I remember when we sat down six months ago and we're planning out our first season, you were like, we have to do an episode with Queer Cosmos about sex and astrology. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know anything. And you're like, Gabby, he's so good. He'll teach us what we need to know. Yes, he is. He's an astrologer and an educator, and he's written many books, actually, on uh, astrology from a queer perspective, which obviously is going to include sex every now and then and it's just you'll find out we recorded we're recording this before i mean after we've done the interview with colin and he is just you'll find out he is the coolest person on planet earth let's not chit chat anymore let's just bring him on let's do it Today's guest, we have Colin Bedell, who is an astrologer, educator, and author of A Little Bit of Astrology in Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships. I've been following Colin for a long time now and value his boundless knowledge and approach to astrology from a queer perspective. Hi, Colin. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me, Bobby yeah, and Gabrielle. I'm fangirling hard right now. Oh my gosh, now. we're so we, thrilled love you that so you're much. here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. No, likewise. I absolutely love the way that you create sexual information, sexual education in such an accessible and entertaining way. I'm like, I love it. Every time you post, Bobby, you have my undivided attention. So thank you. Astrology is such a complex thing, but a lot of people see it from a very narrow point of view. Like it's like, well, yeah. I'm a cancer, but there's all these other things involved. Do you mind kind of giving mm-hmm. us a summarized description of astrology? Like mm-hmm. what are planets and houses and how do they all factor in? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So you're drawing on uh, Mm -hmm. a particular symbol that folks will want to know called the natal chart. So it's a circle that's divided into 12 sections in the chart. And the line that cuts the chart in half horizontally from left to right is the Earth's horizon. It's the Earth's hemisphere. It's the ground of the Earth, right? And so just like the sun rises in the east, i.e. on the left of that horizontal line, because that's the Earth's hemisphere, right? So do all the 12 constellations of the Zodiac. So that's when we're talking about astrology, we're talking about 12 constellations that are in a cumulative order with each other, right? And so when you know that, then that opens up to, oh, and so for example, looking at Gabrielle's chart, she is a Virgo rising. The constellation Virgo was on the easternmost horizon the moment that Gabrielle was born. But because she's a Cancer, she was born while the sun was transiting Cancer. Because when we say, oh, I'm a Gemini, Cancer, Aries, blah, 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 you're talking about your sun sign, right? And then the moon also corresponds to your emotional nature, who you are at the crown jewel, your fight, flight, or freeze systems, but your joy, pleasure, intimacy, and eroticism as well. Um, and then when you look at that, you can situate the 12 houses mm-hmm. of the chart. So that's the 12 sections of the whole circle, right? And each house corresponds to a particular topic. Okay. And if you look at it like this, right. that we broke down the visual, because it's hard to explain without that symbol. So hopefully people who can't see that are now letting their imaginations wander into what the f- 
I'm talking about. Um, and so you could look at it as every planet is a storyteller telling a particular theme, right? So the sun in our chart tells the story of that which we are meant to express in this lifetime. It doesn't immediately come naturally to us, though. That's the moon sign. The moon governs the crown jewel. The moon is the factory settings. Ah. Right. And so we're all kind of asked to be honoring the moon, but becoming the sun. And that process of becoming is filtered through the rising sign. And then every other planet is a storyteller, right? So Mercury, communication, perception, agility, critical thinking, Mars, eroticism, autonomy, conflict transformation. So every planet's a storyteller. Every zodiac sign is the story by which that storyteller is telling a particular theme. And the houses is the environment by which that energy is meant to be expressed. It's the location. It's the environment where you can see this energy expressed the most effectively. So when we say Mercury's in retrograde, are we yeah. talking about houses? We we are actually, yes. And we don't even realize we're talking about that. Yeah. So Mercury will retrograde in Gemini tomorrow. And where it is in our natal chart, right? If we're looking at uh, Bobby's here, because Bobby's only arising, Mercury will retrograde in Bobby's 11th house of friendship, uh, activism, and yeah, just cross collaboration. So mm-hmm. Bobby will just have to be careful in terms of, okay, in everything that I'm doing while working with other people, especially if it's socially conscious and especially friends, let me just make sure I'm saying what I mean. I mean what I say and I do what I say I'm going to mm-hmm. do. Both Gabby and I are cancers. And right. I think that's something that she and I bond over Aww. quite a bit because we're both um fairly emotional beings yeah. and we can express that yeah i mean from from when we met i always felt that bobby was like the male oh, version of right. me i love that i love yeah. that yes and cantos love to make the bond ps it was like those little subtle things that we say that i don't even realize are true to our charts cancer uses the word bond at least three times a week it's beautiful oh absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah and the fact that you're both cancers yeah you are concerned with matters of the subjective emotional experience as are all water signs and as i remember you actually have a particular penchant for a water sign in particular do you know which one that is oh i am I am almost exclusively attracted to drawn to Scorpios. I know those best. I and yeah, I'm terrified right. of them. <laughs> Isn't that the same emotion though? Right? It's like right. I'm drawn to yeah, entirely. Exactly. <laughs> I would love to know, like, because it it is a recurring theme mm-hmm. in my love life mm. that it's almost, you know, I will I will have like dates with other signs, but the ones that I'm almost like. I'll say it like have amorous love feelings for are almost exclusively Scorpio. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, on the level of sun sign alone, right? So you're both Mm -hmm. water signs. You were just missing Pisces to complete all three. Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces Mm -hmm. are the three water signs. And so there's usually an immediate affinity, an immediate rapport because there's such, there's really beautiful similarity among the three of the water signs, right? And then actually back to houses, back to your chart, Bobby, if we're looking Mm -hmm. at you as a Leo rising, Scorpio rules your fourth house of emotional safety, of family, and of home and belonging. So Scorpio, when you're around them, they light up that ability for you to kind of go, am I right at home with you? I feel like I am. That sounds 100%. (laughs) Like my partner right now, like my boyfriend, he's a Scorpio. And that's somebody who just, I'm very... um, like you took the words right out of like my mouth. I feel at home yeah. with him and very like comfortable. And it's, yeah. I think that's what I almost crave the most yes. with somebody, yes. you know, like 
more than anything else. So, I mean, you just spoke right to my heart there. Oh, yay. It makes sense. Yeah, it's true. When we're around the person that rules our fourth house, there is an immediate sense of belonging. And that's absolutely what the Cancer Sun wants to experience in their romantic and intimate relating. It's a quality of emotional safety before we can get into the sexuality and the eroticism and the pleasure. If cancer doesn't feel emotional security, there's no way they're gonna let themselves, yes. go, there's no way they're gonna let mm-hmm. themselves surrender, I should say, in the sexual spaces, yeah. Scorpios make me feel okay. like children and like they are adults and like they are so right. hypersexual and I'm like this like non-sex no, no. child. Well, actually, <laughs> Scorpio rules your third house of communication because you're a Virgo rising. Right. So, you know, Scorpio Mm. actually teaches you your relationship to language, your relationship to critical thinking. So that could be why you're feeling intimidated by their level of intellect, perhaps. Right. Like, wow, how do they say Mm. this at just the right time? And what's the space between, you know, Uh, but the ruler of your fourth house is actually Sagittarius. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever dated Sagittarians or had like meaningful relationship with them, but they are people born between November 21st and December 22nd, depending on whether or not it's leap year. Well, now I know who to look for in my, in my next relationship. I keep dating Tauruses. Okay. And I could see that. I could totally see that. that water signs love a Taurus figure because my God, do they steward security. Holy. <laughs> Typically, right? They're so consistent. They're so yeah. stable. You know, they're going to be exactly where they say they're going to be exactly when they said they're going to be there. So wow. To, to queer the conversation here, right? I think what I like to do in my work often because if this is a queer focus is really question the former compatibility analysis among the signs. I believe implicit in most of the analysis is heteronormative assumptions with the gender binary. I also think mm-hmm. there's the binary of good or bad compatibility, like, oh, if only it's that simple, you know? And I think that actually every single zodiac sign has the potential to develop really meaningful and intimate relationships with every other zodiac sign if they're willing to allow the relationship to unfold through them rather than going in with this, oh, well, this astrology book said that because I'm a Cancer and you're a Leo, it could never, you know, but just actually Mm. see what could emerge. I think we can find beautiful relationships across the spectrum, which I think is a queer ambition. It's interesting because back to the 12 houses, right? Mm -hmm. We have a particular area in our life that is specifically ruled by a zodiac sign. So we, if you want to look at it from a broad lens here, we have every single zodiac sign within us, okay? So then if we say, ugh, I would never, I could never, you're actually separating yourself from yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like because every single zodiac sign owns and operates and expresses something within us. So when we reject a zodiac's function, a zodiac's expression, a zodiac's stewardship, we are rejecting the part that we need to integrate. That's personally what I think, right? Like I actually, full disclosure, because I know you both have Virgo in your chart, okay? Before I was 26, 25, 26, I was like, I'm not a fucking Virgo. They're so annoying and uptight. And like, (laughs) they just, they're a little too much for me. But you know what they were? Mm -hmm. They were constantly like sitting me down and being like, you're smarter than this and you're acting like you're not. So like, what can you do to fucking be more of a straight shooter really be organized and run your life with organization and proact- you know, proactivity. And when I started to take in the Virgo medicine, they have become some of the best friends, most amazing lovers, colleagues, support systems, because I finally was like, all right, I'm willing to learn from you now. So mm-hmm. if people reject or are skeptical of another Zodiac sign, 
you guys should flip the script and say, what exactly are you so critical of and why aren't you allowing that to be integrated into your life? What is it about organization that makes you so mad? What is it about the Leo's charisma that upsets you? What is it about the Sagittarian's freedom that drives you up a fucking wall? What is it? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian, our producer, is going to go smirk right now. Sag. <laughs> right. I don't, I, I'm not going to blow up Vivian's spot, but I did see something about Sag. And listen, honey, they've driven me crazy before as well, you know, but I think because long story short, I think every single Zodiac sign is a messenger of a particular teaching. And each and every one of us are teachers of ours and students of everybody else's. So why can't we just be curious and open and receptive to the particular message that a Zodiac sign is trying to help us learn? No, and to that point, I did date a um, Virgo in the past. And like you, I was like, they're very organized. And I would not definitely not identify myself as that way. But I kind of learned and like aspired to be like them in that way because I'm like, I wish I was more organized. Yeah, and you actually, what's interesting, Bobby, is you do have a Virgo moon. So, yeah, right. So like it was, you know, I think the universe is intentional to be really like esoteric and metaphysical. I believe that it assigns mm-hmm. people to us by whom we have a maximum opportunity for soul growth. And it assigns people Love to that. us at the time by which we're ready to get educated about it. So enter this Virgo sun teaching you, Bobby, you have a Virgo moon. Who are you not acting like you too can be organized and on top of shit and analytical and also a phenomenal business leader and really progressive and innovative and a wonderful problem solver who are you to not act that way but it's your moon sign so it's kind of subconscious it's like we like to almost act like we don't pretend like we don't always act from the moon sign but we do so that was the universe working it's it's elixir for you i think oh my goodness i so see those things in you bob really (laughs) yes you're such an innovator Yes, yes i love my virgos is there a house across the board that dictates our <clears throat> sexual being Ooh, and how sexual we are, or kinks, question. or libido, all that? Great question. So the most reductive answer would be, yes, there is. It's the eighth house. Mm. The most comprehensive answer would be, look at houses four through eight. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Because one of my favorite astrologers, his name is Stephen Forrest. Uh, he's basically as old as time. And he I say that to his face. So I'm not being disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Capricorn son. So I'm like, you really you've been around since Jesus gave you sandals. I swear to God. So <laughs> anyway, he has this idea called the arc of intimacy. And so he believes that if you situate the houses four through eight in your astrology, you will know your whole romantic sexual dowry right? And then Mm -hmm. an astrologer can walk you through, oh, so the ruler of your fourth is this. When you self-disclose in the fifth house, that's over here. Your routines in the sixth house optimize your readiness level for the eroticism of the eighth. Then the seventh house is all about trust and consent. And then the eighth house is really the idea of Esther Perel. And that sex is not a thing that we do, but it's a place that we go. So the eighth house is we go to the sexual space after we've completed the education of houses four through seven. I think that's so like important to the, it, cause it makes sense. That's how sex works as well. You know, yeah. like it's not just eroticism. It's no. like, you need to feel the trust. You need to feel all these things that yes. lead up to it. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say spoken from a cancer, you know, we need the trust. We need the, we need to feel like we're, you know, protected and yeah. safe. And yes. We're babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, you're just, I think what it is is cancer has so much love to give 
And so cancer has to be very discerning around really placing it where it is A, earned, B, wanted, and C, mutual. Yeah. <laughs> B or B, I gotta go call my therapist. <laughs> Bring them on. We'll we'll make it a four way, right? Because I we should talk about the frequency, how long, how hard, how fast, how many. Yes, but I really love to talk about the mystical, the origins, the the qualitative yeah. understanding of sex, not just the the frequency and the performance of it and the utility of it. So to that point, is there um how does astrology kind of um help you see the your sexual compatibility with somebody how does that kind of like read on a chart oh yeah well once you know houses four through eight that's absolutely a helpful understanding that can open up the conversation and then also for looking at it just from a planet i Mm. think mars would be a great place to start not of course the only right mercury venus moon yeah 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 but starting with mars would be really really effective because mars rules our wantings what it is that we yearn for what do we desire Venus rules what we love, what we find attractive, what we want to be around. But Mars is wanting, Venus is loving. So I love to bring those planets together in a reading and help people understand how they interact with each other, how they compete. Uh, Yeah, because like my Mars is in Cancer, right? So I actually want a partner to bond with. I want emotional safety. I want to feel like they're right at home. That's why typically only only fucking date Long Island boys because I'm a Long Island boy and Mars in Cancer loves a hometown boy. I wish I could date somebody (laughs) outside of the... (laughs) fucking tri-state area but you know <laughs> if they don't live in the basement and have sunday sauce with their mind like i'm not interested you know oh my but, God. no but anyway so that's my bars but my, my venus is in gemini so i find a person's communication skills really thoughtful and attractive and like right. oh isn't that and they're smart and they're funny but then when i'm having sex i don't want to talk right because <laughs> mars and cancer shush just do it yeah. <laughs> so i don't know it's like and that's what i love about astrology is it gives us all permission to be so multi-dimensional mm-hmm. you know because we all are so it just gives the language around that i think so are are scorpios the like most sexual of the signs like which would you if you were to choose like three? Ooh, that's hard <laughs> don't kill me well i actually think that every zodiac sign is responsible for one of the functions of sexuality right. and, that totally and makes sense yeah right so but i think that scorpio is the sign of intimacy mm-hmm. and if we for if we frame intimacy the way that Esther Perel says it as into me, see, into me, you mm-hmm. see. Scorpio is all about the forbidden. Scorpio is all about the things that we don't like to talk about. We just like to do when no one's looking. And so sex, mm-hmm. death, and money is also associated with Scorpio because those are three big forbidden topics. So that's why Scorpio is often connected to that zodiac sign, to, to that theme of sexuality and eroticism. Mm-hmm. But I think every zodiac sign provides something different. Like my friend uh, Chartreuse, she's an astrologer. Yesterday was her birthday. And we're both astro twins, which is crazy. We have the same astrology. Okay. Born wow. three years apart, but somehow almost identical. She's like, yeah, but have you ever had sex with the Capricorn? Because I didn't survive. I was ready to pass somebody my insurance card. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's just every, every zodiac sign has a particular one, mm-hmm. a particular education. So maybe we can do a piece on I had sex with the zodiac. And here's what I discovered. I love that. Everyone has something instructive, I think, around sexuality and intimacy. Based yeah. on Gabby and I's uh, friendship, what is it that like you see from our relationship? Yeah. Well, I think what's impressive is that obviously you're both cancers. So that's why you said we felt we bonded right away. That's the cancer mm-hmm. bond. Yes. Right. And then also what I like is that because Bobby's a Virgo moon and Gabby is a Virgo rising right? This is what astrologers call a moon ascendant conjunction. 
Okay. So, Ga- so Bobby's moon is on top of Gabby's rising. Okay. And this connects to the Virgo groundedness organization. It's not just the feelings that you guys are bringing in the relationship, but it's the mindfulness, the attention, the concentration, and the focus. It's the Virgo's level of invisible skill, which I think often gets undervalued. And it's their ability to really see the people who they love and understand. You know, I think Virgo really knows the people they love. Right. And isn't, and I, we always use the word like in these spaces of, oh, I feel seen. And I'm so sorry. I think that is the most hollow, empty, <laughs> like good enough. It just doesn't do it right. for me. You yeah. know, it doesn't. I'm sorry. It, it might for others, not for fucking me. Okay. <laughs> my Virgos, they help me feel known. Like my Virgos know me. Right. Like that's the Virgo. So that's what you guys do together. And then Bobby, your Leo rising actually has a really interesting energy with Gabrielle's Pisces moon because Pisces like enjoys the sunlight of Leo in the spotlight, but like doesn't always want to like do it themselves. They kind of want to be side by side. Mm -hmm. So like you bring Gabby out of the Pisces moon introversion and then she can help you share space with others who want to stand in your light. That's what I would say if I had to summarize you guys quick i think that's yeah i think that's very accurate to be honest yeah oh good this was like that was something that we were both going into this we're like i wonder like what that's gonna say about our relationship you know because gabby and i met two years ago and ever since then just like there was this just automatic bond that happened and we talk all the time and like we wanted to do this podcast together so it's yeah it's nice to know that like what just to kind of have it you know, said to us what we benefit from, you know, like, I feel like that's a big part of astrology too, is like, there's obviously a lot of skeptics out there and I'm very much into astrology. And when I say that sometimes I'll have the best conversation of my life with somebody about astrology or I'll Mm -hmm. get an eye roll. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm wondering like, what, what can I say to these people? Like to legitimize what I'm feeling, do you know, like that I do see, astrology is something that's very helpful to me and something I believe in. Well, you could almost just say that. And also what I try to tell folks around astrology and really all matters of spirituality is, Hey, look, you know, the only arbiter of my belief is my experience. And Mm. my experience proves that when I take the beliefs and the theories and the premises of astrology and apply it in my life, Hey, guess what? My life works. Okay. From my personal, relational, and professional success, my life works. So not saying you have to believe in it, but you might want to try it sometime, you know, because it's about belief versus experience. And we have seen what happens when we think the conversation is just relegated to belief, right? Like there are people who claim to believe in a loving, forgiving, merciful God. And what do they do in the level of experience in the name of that loving, merciful God? So we're not interested in, oh, you believe in that shit? No, I'm interested in, does your experience prove personal, relational and professional well-being if it does whatever works for you rock on sister if it fucking doesn't then you might want to look at the lens by which you're running your life and realize you don't know what the fuck you're talking about bobby are the people who are skeptical when you bring up your interest in astrology are they across the sexuality spectrum or does it typically tend to be like (laughs) queer versus straight folks because there's something so queer about astrology it's almost like we're like looking for this like new belief system go ahead bobby what do you think um well I definitely do think that astrology has an inherent queerness to it. I don't know why, but I have gotten the skepticism from all across the sexuality spectrum. It's, it does seem inherently queer a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what, what what are your thoughts on that? 
Absolutely, well, because I think what's beautiful about astrology is there's almost 1,476 combinations of personality. Mm-hmm. So in heteronormative patriarchy, there's only two. Straight male, straight woman. Oh, interesting. These are the roles. These are what your expectations are. This is what you can do. Right. Right? When astrology, it gives you permission to just be so many different expressions of yourself. And I think that is queer in and of itself. And also, I believe that astrology's underlying ethos is acceptance for all. Everyone has a natal chart. Mm-hmm. So you belong here. If you have a chart, you belong. And everybody has a chart, so everybody belongs. And I think that's something that uh, hopefully in theory, queer folks and really anyone who is on a multiply marginalized identity spectrum feels a sense of connection to. Because, uh, yeah, astrology doesn't have the historical crusades, inquisitions, colonizations, the holy wars, the imperialism. No, astrology has none of that. So it's like it actually is a spiritual system that connects to our values mm. and also our experience. Yeah, I feel like you walk into any queer space and the question is, when did you come out and how? And what is your sign? (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) I really believe, frankly, we're going to get super metaphysical advanced here, right? That there is no arena like romantic, intimate, and personal relating that really proves whether or not you live a spiritual, soulful life. By definition, spirituality is about we. It's not all about me. And when I applied astrology and talked about it with others, friends, lovers, colleagues, family, my entire relational landscape transformed from the inside out. And if it's true that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships, thank you, Esther Perel, then again, I'm pretty convinced. So it was in my early 20s when I really started to go to like educational spaces in astrology and learn all about it, right? And my brother, who is a heterosexual Taurus man with six planets in Taurus, he is as Long Island jabroni as they fucking come. <laughs> okay? So you, whatever you just thought of is him. Okay? So he was like, yeah, what is this fucking thing you're talking about with the, you know, Taurus, Sun, Virgo? What is this shit? I was like, oh, it's, it just helps me astrology, helps me understand people, blah, 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 blah. And then I noticed he had a little twinkle in his eye every time I started talking about it, right? And then, oh my God, he was hooked. I go to his friends and I hang out with his places, whatever's, and all these straight guys are like, yo, bro, go on Facebook and uh, figure out, is she a fucking Aries or what the <laughs> fuck, right? And when I saw it just go, like, my brother is the high priest of astrology for straight boys on Long Island who have never been able to talk about emotions and intimacy a day in their life. That's when I knew I was like, yo, this conversation is so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than all mm-hmm. of us. The way that he talks to others is really beautiful. and it makes me really happy to see how it uplifts people's social support. Something that exists next to that is that astrology is often considered really feminine Mm. too, right? So it has preserved itself in popular culture because of women's media, Mm. you know? So there's also this like, oh, I don't, I don't have a connection to this, blah, 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 blah. But the way that my brother and I talk to cisgendered heterosexual men about astrology is that these are your emotional needs. We don't shy away from those words because we just try to make sure that When we talk about the patriarchy, yes, we really need to understand the way that it disempowers and oppresses women, gender nonconforming folks. And we also need to understand the ways in which it robs cisgendered men of their emotional nature. 
So that's something my brother and I have been in total alignment and support with. And he uses astrology to say, well, bro, your moon's in Aries. So guess what you feel? You feel, <laughs> I swear, it's crazy, right? And so when these, you know, articles came out like from God only knows where, why straight men hate astrology? I'm like, you live in an echo chamber because I don't know what the fuck you're talking mm-hmm. about. All right. So I've seen my brother and I talk about emotions with men using astrology, not as a separate, but as this story lives in you. And here's the vocabulary. I think they just want the vocabulary. For folks who don't have a Colin in their life, but who want to bring sort of astrology to their straight brothers, do you yeah, have right. like starter tips or like go-to resources for people who are new to the concept of astrology? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So I think really it's like they say in recovery spaces that it's about attraction, not promotion. So in other words, like, again, use astrology in your lived experience first. Like, because it's not about, let me go teach others. It's like, let me really make sure I got it right <laughs> in my lived experience, you know, and then your life will sort of be a space where people will come to you. Because if I came to my brother and said, well, you know, it's because he'd been like, no fucking way, especially a Taurus. The minute you come at them with, let me tell you how you should do something. They're like, right mm. here, bitch. Okay. <laughs> but he just, he just saw that my life changed the way that my energy transformed with astrology. So he could not help but be attracted to the conversation. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So it's about really internalizing and applying in your own life first. And then you could be the teacher. And as soon as you want to be the teacher, the student appears. Gosh, Colin, you are such a delight. Like you speak with such knowledge and such grace. And I love that queer astrology is your fucking thing. What a pleasure to get to talk with you. Oh, likewise. I kind of wish we could have done this together. Are all three of you in Toronto or elsewhere? We're all over the place. Well, I'm I'm Toronto. Okay. Vivian right now is in uh, Chicago, but moving to (gasps) moving quite soon, actually, in August. And Gabby, where are you? I'm bopping around New England. I'm all over the place. Bopping around. So, Colin, do you want to tell people where to where to find you? Plug plug your shit. Plug your shit. So you bitches can find <laughs> me at Queer Cosmos. So Q U E E R C O S M O S. And now my readings are open now in July, so you can see it all on my link tree and my Instagram, and we can talk immediately. All right, folks, and that is a wrap on season one of Bad in Bed, the Queer Sex Podcast. Yes. I mean, this has been a labor of love between Gabby and I. Oh, my gosh. For what? Six months. We have hopped on recording every Friday for over an hour for six months putting this together. And we feel so grateful for the feedback that we have gotten that has made this worth it. Absolutely. Gabby and I, you know, we get DMs individually, but we share them with one another just to make us each, you know, the pandemic's been tough. And these, these, just knowing they're listening and loving what we're doing is very affirming and makes us feel really good. So Gabby, uh, (laughs) no. We are going to take the summer off recording, but we already have three episodes of season two recorded and have a roster of amazing sex educators and gender and sexuality professionals that we can't wait to record with. So please stay subscribed. You will get a notification when we are back Mm -hmm. and we will post about it all over social media. So if you are not already following us, please follow me at Gabrielle Cassell on Instagram and Twitter and Bobby, say your handles. I'm at by Bobby box on all social media. 
Oh, I didn't know it was the same now. Yes, I, I got it. After Twitter banned me, they brought me back. So I got it yes. back. Yes. Anyway, thank you everyone thank for joining you. us on this exciting sex education revolution. Woo! Bye, bye, bye. Bye.